0: grab your seats worship team you guys are just phenomenal thank you Uh, I've been sending I've been one of those people but I've been sending videos to my team uh, because you guys maybe not don't even know but about half the songs you've been singing have been written by uh, you know some of our team at the belonging co and uh, if you don't know uh, we have a church in Nashville we also uh, have released some music we've released five records we're getting ready to release our sixth record real soon uh firm foundation is from the blind co nothing else is from the belonging co uh all of my passion that song anyone like that song yeah uh anyone like it? ain't no rock ain't no rock all songs from uh, from our church back in nashville and uh i just and in fact you guys were singing this morning um let the church say amen let the church say amen which is off carrie's record which i got to produce right in the middle of the pandemic and uh just some, I'm, it, it's overwhelming, honestly, to see that songs that have just been written uh, in the context of our house are making their way all the way over to the, to the Philippines. Maybe, maybe we need to bring the belonging co over to the Philippines sometime. <laughs> don't, don't you tempt me. Don't you tempt me. All right. I mean, I'm not saying nothing, but we'll work on it and see what happens, but All right, I want to I want to preach to you uh, uh for a little bit today and just see what God does, but uh can we, can we just take a moment and honor Pastor Paul Chase for that message this morning? Just uh I was taking notes like a wild man and uh just, you know, I just love being in the presence of uh men and women of God who just Don't just have uh, longevity, but authority uh, because of purity and righteousness and a hunger for the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to honor you. Thank you. Just even in uh, the conversations that we've had in the last 24 hours have been really actually deeply impacting to me, uh, challenging to me as well. And so thank you. And uh, that message this morning was just like, there was so much. I was like, that's about 10 of my messages right there. So thank you. (laughs) Uh, but, I, you know, I, I love that you, uh, you know, preached in part from uh, that passage talking about um, uh, that, the triumphant entry. And I want to read to us, actually, from John 12, uh, which is uh, this moment. John 12, 12, starting at verse 12. Uh, it's entitled, Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. Now, uh, this, is, uh, this, this is Palm Sunday, It's not Palm Sunday today. We celebrated Palm Sunday a few weeks ago, but this this is a moment I want us to take us on a, a little bit of a journey here today. Starting at verse 12, it says, the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Listen, if you don't always understand what Jesus is saying, it's all good. The disciples, man, they lived three years with him, and they still didn't get it. So just let yourself off the hook, right? Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. This whole crowd here were there because they had heard about a miracle that Jesus did for a man named Lazarus. Everybody say it, Lazarus. Everybody in the balcony say Lazarus. You're not in the balcony down here that said, oh, that was, you are in the balcony. I'm sorry, sir. It's good to see you up there in the balcony. I was like, it's like surround sound. I didn't even know that there was people on the side. These lights are very bright, so it's the glory of God. This is a moment about Palm Sunday, this particular passage entitled Jesus Arrives as King. If you read in the Old Testament, the way a king was crowned or anointed, there would be an anointing by God and an anointing by man. God would send the prophet, and then the prophet would anoint a man with oil. See, there was an anointing by God and an anointing by man in order for there to be a king. As we read about the life of Jesus, there's a moment where he is baptized in the Holy Spirit, he is anointed by God, but I want to take you on a little adventure through this story today because I believe God wants to speak some things into your life and release you of some of your burdens. So if you would just, I know we've been in the presence of God, but would you just bow your head and ask the Holy Spirit right now to come? and speak to you. Father, we thank you for your word, God, that it never returns void. God, as we heard this morning, Lord, it's not about the seed, it's about the soil. God, there's no problem with the seed, but Father, we ask right now, would you help us prepare the soil of our hearts to receive this word, God, that we would have ears spiritually to hear what it is that you want to say so that you can do what only you can do. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you don't know who Lazarus is, I want to back up in this story here and start in Luke chapter 10, read to you a couple of verses entitled, At the Home of Martha and Mary. It says in verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations being made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care? That my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You ever prayed a prayer like that? No, don't, don't, don't wait for me this morning, but you ever been in a moment where it feels like, man, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, all these other people, they're doing nothing. I shop to church earlier than everyone else, and I leave later than everyone else, and all these people, they just come in and they receive the glory. And we're like, in our hearts, God, tell them. Let me just encourage you as a pastor. If you're part of a church, but you're not involved in the church, get involved in church in Jesus' name. Tell her to help. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I want you to understand about this Passage of Scripture, it's most likely that this is the first encounter that Jesus has had face-to-face with Mary and Martha. It's likely that they know who he is, but this is the first time that he's come to their house. And Jesus shows up in their house, and you've got these two sisters with two very different responses. One's busy preparing for Jesus to be there. She takes it seriously. She's making sure that all the food's out there. She's She's got the got the rice and, 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 and the steak. She's got all the, you know, she's got the stuff, right? So I would say roti, but you guys don't eat roti here in the Philippines. Uh, you do? So, Some of so, you, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, don't, don't, don't talk badly about my favorite food, all right? Roti, roti. I love it. But she's there, she's making sure that everything's set. And Mary waltzes in and she doesn't care what anyone else is doing. She's like pulls herself up, sits down at the feet of Jesus. Now, I, I've heard this, and maybe you've heard preachers preach this in different ways, and I don't want to undo anyone else's theology. I just want to bring to you what I believe God is saying through this passage of Scripture today. But it's amazing because I've heard pastors who have said, you know, Like, Martha was the worker, and Mary was the worshiper. And, you know, we need both in the church. We need the workers, and we need the worshipers. Which, thank God that we have workers and worshipers. But I don't believe that's what Jesus is really referring to here. Because if it was, what we would then read is that what Martha was doing was necessary, but what Mary was doing was more important. That Martha, it was good, but Mary was more favored. Oh, I love that we hear a favor conference because I'm wondering if you've really got a revelation that there are no favorites in the kingdom of God. We're all favored in the kingdom of God. Jesus paid the same price for every single one of us. There are no favorites because we're all favored by God. But I believe what Jesus is referring to here is the fact that Martha, even though she felt like what she was doing was important, she was distracted by what was most important. Can I tell you today that I believe distraction can cost you, can cost you the outcome that God has for you in your situation? I believe God wants to do things for us, but oftentimes we're too busy to put ourselves in the posture to receive what he has for us. Sometimes we're even busy doing things for God we're so busy doing things for God that we miss just being with God. See, you could be around Jesus and still not be with Jesus. When I go to church every weekend. I serve in the kids' team. I serve in the worship team. Listen, none of that matters unless you're willing to spend the time with Jesus. Your serving in church is no excuse to not spend time with with Jesus. But Pastor Henry, what, what Martha was doing was important. Yeah, it was important. But I want you to understand this. This is in Luke cha- in Luke chapter 10. But in Luke chapter 9, there's a story about the feeding of the 5,000 where the disciples showed up and they had not done the work. <laughs> they were not prepared. They were not ready. And what happened? Even though they missed the assignment, they did not understand the assignment. Jesus still moved. I wonder if Jesus is saying, hey, hey, hey Martha, I, I love that you're getting all this stuff ready. But, but have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that even though I love this, I don't need this? Because all it takes is a couple loaves and a couple of fishes, and we could feed a whole lot more people than are in this house right now. It's not that what you're doing is not important, but this is most important. What's most important is being with me right now. Jesus is saying, Mary, Martha, remember, remember. Isn't it amazing how many times we forget about what God's done? God does a miracle for us. We cry out. He brings us a breakthrough. He brings us the miracle. And we're like, you, Jesus, I'll never forget this moment. And then in the next chapter of our lives, God, where are you? I need you to do a miracle. It's like, what are you stressing about? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Come on, I want to steal your faith today because some of you have forgotten. Some of you, you haven't been saved that long. You haven't had a chance to forget. But some of you, you've been around a while. You've been in church for a while. You've been following God for a while. You've seen some things, some good things, but you've also seen some bad things. you walked through some good things, but you've also walked through some bad things. And the bad things have caused you to forget about the good things that God's done. But I want to stir your faith today that God's saying, hey, remember, because if I did it then, I can do it again. Come on, if I did it back then, I'm going to do it again. you got a miracle then, but I'm going to do it again. Same. don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, don't get distracted from what I'm doing here in this moment. There's a word for some of you, you're distracted right now, you're distracted. Here we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, which honestly would have been very culturally inappropriate for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi. As we read on in Mary's life, this is actually one of the things I love about Mary because she doesn't, man, she's not restricted and limited by cultural boundaries. There's something more important to her than what society thinks there's something more important to her than what the people around her That's to be with jesus but see we find mary and she's sitting at the feet of jesus now you know to sit in somebody's presence shows some level of comfortability she's sitting comfortable at the feet of jesus she's now meeting jesus as teacher as rabbi as instructor And you know, I believe a lot of Christians start out the journey, I believe God makes it, makes it easy for us. God made it easy for us to receive salvation. All we had to do was receive the free gift. Yes, we turn from our old ways, but I believe, especially in our early days of walking with Jesus, there's a level of sacrifice, but I also believe God makes it very easy for us to experience His presence. Anyone remember the time that you got saved? I remember the time that I got saved. It's so impacted my life. I actually got it tattooed on my arm. 6th of October, 1993. I never want to forget that moment when that burden of sin, that weight got lifted off me. And man, I didn't find it hard to find God. I didn't find it hard to find Jesus. I would sit with him every day. But you know, it's easy to get comfortable in thinking, we, we know where we're going to meet Jesus. But I don't believe the journey of faith was ever meant to be comfortable. This is where some of us are like, "And that was a great message. I'll see you next week at church. But your Christian walk was never meant to be comfortable. Faith is not comfortable. In order for you to grow in faith, you've got to get out of the place of comfort. It's amazing how often we're at an altar call or in a church meeting saying, God, I want more faith. Give me more faith, God. Just, I want to grow in my faith. And then like Monday morning, we show up to work and our boss is like extra mean to us. And, you know, we have an extra challenging situation. And, you know, all hell breaks loose. And we get home that night and we're like, God, what are you doing? And he says, wait, you just asked me yesterday to grow your faith. This is what I'm doing. See, there's a journey of learning how to trust Jesus. Now, I want to take you on a bit of this journey. We're going to read some more from John chapter 11, a little further on in Mary and Martha's journey. And bear with me because there's a little bit of uh, Scripture that we're going to read here. I'm going to flick through this chapter. But it says in in verse 1, Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her head. Now, just a side note, this hasn't happened yet. This is going to happen a little bit later, but this is being written retrospectively. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, no, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, he came straight away, <clears throat> No, he stayed two more days. Hold up, Jesus, what are you doing? And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Then they have a little conversation that goes on in verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Thank God for the disciples they give me a lot of hope because sometimes Jesus is trying to he's like do I really have to be Captain Obvious yes I have to be Captain Obvious so then he told them plainly Lazarus is dead for your sake I'm going there Uh, for for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him then Thomas also known as Didymus said to the rest of the disciples let's also go that we may die with him so full of faith good old Thomas on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come there, uh, had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This is important for you to read today. Mary stays at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then they have a little conversation about the afterlife, and then in verse 28, And saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the other Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved you. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. Now, I know that we just read a lot of scripture here, but I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a moment where you've said, God, where are you? Where are you? God, I got a need, and the need is urgent. God, I, I got a need, and I'm calling 911. I got 911. Got it's not 911 here. What's your emergency number here? You don't even have an emergency number. You just get out on the street and just start screaming loud as you can. Help! Help me, Jesus! Jesus, did you not hear me? I said, help! Jesus, man, I'm so desperate for you, Jesus. I need you so much. I didn't come to church just once. On a Sunday, I came twice. I went to midweek prayer meeting. I went to connect group. I even watched some online preachers because I was so desperate for you to move. And it feels like Jesus is not there in the moment. And what happens? We get disappointed. We get despondent. We get discouraged. Not understanding that Jesus' time frame is not our time frame. Now, there's a reason. Lazarus was in the grave for four days. Culture at the time would have believed that if a person had been dead up to three days, that their spirit was still around the body and that that person could come back to life. So a resurrection within three days would not have been seen as a miracle. So Jesus had to wait, and this is what we can't handle sometimes, because Jesus has to wait till we got no other option but a miracle. And then we can sit in church and go, wow, wow, until it's us. I'm just being real. Yes, amen. God, do it for that other person. But then when we find ourselves in that place, God, where are you? You let me down. God, you abandoned me. You walked out on me. God, where are you? It's amazing because Jesus is actually there. Jesus is just not in the place of comfort where Mary once met him. I I want you to roll with me here because... See, sometimes we, we, can get, we, we can get familiar with the place that we made Jesus. I, I, man, when I, got, when I got saved, back a million years ago, we used to have cassette tapes. Anyone old enough to remember a cassette tape? Yeah, yeah. Man, when I got saved, I got saved and I made a mixtape. It's kind of like a playlist, but permanent. You know, like a lot more work. And man, because I was a good church boy, I knew that the start of any good worship time had to start with three praise songs. So I put three praise songs on the start of this mixtape. And then the next 80 minutes between both sides, because you had like, anyone remember like the auto reverse? You know, you like put it on and it would just like, and it would flip. I mean, like, it was just wild technology. And I had this mixtape. And it had all these songs on there and and, and, uh, and just songs that you wouldn't even know. Honestly, they're so old and so bad, but so old. But man, I made this mix and I just, I knew as soon as I put that thing on, you know what would happen? I would sense the presence of God and I knew that I could meet Jesus in that place. And that thing, man, I wore it out to the point where, you know, I'd press play and it would be like, because it was just so worn out. You guys don't even know about that. You can't wear out an MP3. But man, you can wear out a cassette. But I knew where I would meet Jesus. Every single time I would press play. But you know what I realized after a little while? Is I would put my cassette on and I would press play, but I wouldn't sense God in the same way that I once did. And I begin to wonder, has Jesus left me? And then I heard him so gently whisper to me one day, he said, I didn't leave you, but I started moving, and you stay where you were. And I believe even in this place, for some of you, you got comfortable where you were with Jesus. And so you walk, you're walking through a hard time right now, and you've gone back to the place where you were comfortable, but Jesus is saying, I, I I need you to come find me. I need you to come find me. I need you to come find me. See, what did Mary do? Mary stays at home. I don't know if it was that she was disappointed or if it was just that that was the familiar place where she had once met Jesus, but she finds in her heartache and her heartbreak that Jesus isn't in the same place. Jesus is calling him, Mary, I need you to come find me right now. I just wonder if he's saying that to some of you here in this room today. You've been crying out to God, but you've been doing it the way that you always knew how to do it. But God said, I need to take you up a level. See, I want to build your faith. I want to grow you. I want to take you up to that next level of authority and anointing. But you can't do it, meeting me in the same way that you always met me. You can't just keep doing the same old thing, expecting a different result. I need you to press in a little further. I need you to come find me. I need you to come seek me out. See, I don't believe God causes bad things to happen. I don't believe God gives us sickness. I've heard preachers say that, you know, God sends us. I love that what Pastor Paul said this morning. You know, we're talking about trials and we think our trials are gonna make us, but it's actually how we respond in the trials that are gonna make us. I've heard preachers preach that, You know, our sin is our affliction to help us grow in our character. But it would be a cruel God who would send his only son to die on the cross to take upon himself every infirmity, every sin, only to then turn around and give mankind back sickness. Sickness does not come from God. Affliction does not come from God. But God will use our challenges. He'll use our hard times. He'll use our sickness to take us to the next level in walking with Him. See, I wonder if Mary really was disappointed. Even if she speaks to Jesus. If Jesus, if you would just been here, if you would just been here. See, right now, we, you know, we have the luxury of being able to read further on and realize what happens in this story. So some of you already like, well, spoiler alert. I already know the outcome. But just put yourself in Mary and Martha's position for a moment. They didn't know the outcome. In their minds, when Lazarus was put in that tomb, Lazarus was dead, and he wasn't coming back. Both these women, Jesus, if you'd just been here, Mary... Jesus, if you've just been here, now all of a sudden we find Mary, who was once at the feet of Jesus, the teacher. Now she's at the feet of Jesus in a different posture. She's crying out to Jesus to find out if he's really going to be the healer that she's heard that he might be. See, it goes from teacher to healer. Jesus, I, I need you in this moment. I need you in this moment. It would be easy to think that Jesus really did not care about them, the fact that he stayed two more days. But I love that we read that Jesus wept, that Jesus was moved. I believe that Jesus, I believe that he was moved by the loss of his friend. I believe he was moved witnessing these girls in such distress. I believe he was moved and wept when he saw the reality of a sinful world and the impact that it was having. On mankind I wonder if Jesus wept in that moment, realizing that just a few days later, so you got to understand this, Jesus stands in front of a tomb, with a man on the inside of the tomb, and a stone that's rolled in front of the tomb. And that just a few days later, Jesus wasn't going to be standing on the outside of a tomb, but Jesus was going to be the body on the inside of the tomb. I wonder if Jesus began to weep when he realized what's about to unfold is what should have been the case the whole time, that mankind should have never had to deal with sickness or disease or death. And Jesus is about to say to that tomb, "Roll that stone away! And he has a prophetic moment. (sighs) He calls Lazarus out. Lazarus is brought back to life. Right in front of their eyes. See, there was a disappointment in Mary's heart, but she had to bring it to Jesus before Jesus could do the miracle. I believe Jesus waited until they were there to witness the miracle. I wonder what miracles God's wanting to do in your life, but right now, it's your disappointment away. the way. See, why do we get disappointed? We get disappointed because we think that God's timeline is over. We get disappointed because we think the story's over. I want to tell you this today, friend. It might feel like God's taken a long time, but the story ain't over. The story ain't over. The story ain't over. Someone needs to hear this today. You need to get this in your spirit. The story's not over. You've been praying for that loved one, and it seems like they're the furthest from God that they've ever been. But I want to declare this over you today. You've been disappointed, but the story's not over. Some of you have been walking with sickness, and you've given up hope. And you're just right now just dealing with the effects of it saying, you know what, maybe when I get to heaven, yes, maybe when you get to heaven, but don't give up hope on earth. Because I still believe in a God who heals. I still believe in a God who heals. I got things in my own life that I'm praying and believing for. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get disappointed even if I don't get healed on this side of eternity. Because when I look back, when I get to eternity, these 80 years or 90 years or whatever it is that God gives me the grace to live on earth for, it's going to seem like a blip but I don't want to give up hope because I don't believe my miracle is just about me. I believe my miracle is going to speak to people around me. That's why I cry out for healing in my body. That's why I cry out for financial breakthrough. That's why I cry out for souls and signs of wonders in our church because it's not for me. It's not for us. It's not for the belonging code. It's for the world around us that needs to see that there is a good God who loves his people. He's still working on the earth. Come on, if you believe it, would you just take 10 seconds and give him some praise that he's a God who is still moving he's a God who's still moving see but some of you got disappointed I want to stir your heart today it's time to get up out of that place of disappointment and find yourself at the feet of Jesus you got to get up out of that sick bed and go and find Jesus you got to get yourself out of that negative self-talk and go and find Jesus what do I do with my pain what do I do with my disappointment this is where the enemy loves to come in and say See, it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. This is why man's assault, this assignment on this generation of anxiety and depression. Hear my heart today, friend. These These are very real things that people experience, but they are symptomatic. They are not the root cause. They are symptomatic. But what does the enemy like to do? He likes to brand us and label us with our sickness, with our infirmity, with our sin, with our shame, with our guilt, with our past, so that we will live by the identity of the lie of the enemy. Anxiety, anxiety is not your identity. Depression is not your identity. You've been walking around saying, I've got anxiety. No, you don't. You might be anxious, but you've stayed in your anxiousness, and you've listened to a lie of the enemy that's made you believe that you're going to struggle with anxiety for the rest of your life. But that's not who you are. You know, the only power that the enemy has in our lives is the agreement that we come into with his lies. That's, That's the only power he has. I've got anxiety. Yes, you do. I'm depressed. Yes, you are gonna be sick for it. Yeshua it's a lie break the lie come to Jesus Lay it at his feet today in Jesus name see we will never understand God's timing but I'm telling you at the right time at the right time at the right time See, Jesus doesn't say if you believe it goes on to say this Jesus doesn't say if you believe then you would see your brother raised to life it doesn't say that Jesus says if you would believe you will see my glory we talked about this last night but we're often looking for an outcome rather than getting a different outlook. But Jesus is not talking about whether or not there's going to be a miracle what he's talking about is whether or not he's going to be able to reveal his glory. See, I want to say, God, in every situation of my life, I want you to reveal your glory. And if that takes me walking through a disappointing season or a challenging season or a hard season or a season that I don't understand your timing or your ways, I'm not meant to understand your ways because your ways are higher, your ways are greater. And it sounds great in a song, but it's hard to live it out. But I got to fix my perspective and get back to a place where I'm reminded. It's not my will, but your will. I want to declare this over you today. Even when it seems impossible, it's not over. Even when it seems too hard, it's not over. When it even seems incurable, it's not over. Some of you have been giving up on some things that God's been saying. It's not dead, I'm just waiting to bring it out of the grave. I shared with you a little bit about our family journey last night, about our two kids, about how we couldn't have kids. You know, when we, uh, when we had our first child, when we had Holly, she, uh, she was a little bundle of uh, joy and uh, life and personality and personality. And personality. And to be honest, a couple of years in, you know, when she was about two or three, we were like, you know what, she she's got so much personality. She kind of makes up for two kids. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe we're good. Maybe we're good with one kid. And also, you know, if you're if you're a woman in this place and you've had kids, I honor you today. Uh, you know, some women love being pregnant. I uh, just love you know that whole childbearing situation. I'm just gonna say today. That's not my wife's spiritual gift. (laughs) Just got a couple amens, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a day we were just praying with some friends in our home one night, and uh, God was just doing some incredible things. We were praying, and, you know, we kind of honestly almost given up on the thought of having a second child, and we're just praying and having this amazing time, and then the Holy Spirit just clear as a bell says, hey, I was like, yes, yes, God, what do, you, what do you want to say? He says, hey, uh, you know how you've been saying that there's no more kids? I was like, yes, God, isn't it awesome? Because, you know, Holly, she's like amazing, and, and she's really like two kids in one, you know, that much personality, and he's like, uh, are you going to ask me about that? I was like, um, no, <laughs> actually, he's like, who told you that you were done? I was like, well, um, God, have you met my wife? Because, uh. She's done. (laughs) He's like, who told you you're done? I said, yeah, but that's good, God. But um, I'm not the one that you need to talk to. I'm not the one that has to spend nine months in pain. It's not me. He said, are you going to lead your household or not? And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so I uh, turned around, and I just began to speak in tongues at the top of my, got be Jesus. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that night and said, uh, reminded me that he had promised us a son. Now, I, I have three sisters. I'm the only son in my family. And uh, if I didn't have a son, I would be the end of the Sealy line, which is, is, is not a, necessarily a big deal. But the Holy Spirit said, I, I actually want to use your son to redeem some things uh, with your family line, with your family name. And I was like, that's good, God, but that means my wife has to get pregnant. <laughs> Which I don't mind trying, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the pregnancy part that's hard for her, you know. So we prayed. That night, I, before the night was over, I spoke with my wife and, and just said, hey, listen. This, this was a word from God. This is not me. You know, it's like nothing to do with me. It's not my idea. You know, it wasn't me. I, I didn't come up with this. It's not my agenda. You know, just like, this is God. And uh, I said, I, I think the Holy Spirit said that we, we need to talk about having a son. And she's like, well, that's a nice conversation for you and the Lord, uh, but he hasn't told me that yet. I was like, okay. But a couple of days later, she came to me and, and said, you know what? I know it's a sacrifice for me, but. I, I you're right. God began to remind us about the word about having a, a daughter and a son. And so you know what we, we got pregnant and uh and, and uh about four months into the pregnancy, we were in the middle of a worship conference in our church, uh back at Planet Shakers, and uh the, the Saturday morning my, my wife woke up and I was actually getting ready to go and preach. And uh and, and she said, Babe Something's not right. I, I don't. I don't. Something's not right. And so we prayed, and I was like, "You need to, you know, go to the doctors. You want to go to the hospital? Like, I can not preach." He's like, "No, no. Let's go to church. This is the best place that we can be. Let's just go to church and believe God's going to do a miracle." And so, over the next couple of days, we began to monitor the situation, and by the Tuesday, it became evident that something was really quite wrong. And so, we went to the doctors, and I'll never forget sitting in in this doctor's clinic. And they had this giant, you know, like uh, LED TV up there. And my wife's laying on the, on the bed, and they, they, they get, the, they get the, the thing, the ultrasound thing. They begin to scan her womb. They bring up on the screen this picture of, of her womb. And right in the, in, in the middle of where they're scanning, all I see is just this, this black space. And then I see the look on the nurse's face. She walks out the room, goes and gets the doctor, and the doctor comes back in and takes a look and says, I'm really sorry to tell you, but you've lost the baby. And I remember in that moment, tears beginning to run down my face. I said, but God, but God. Wait, wait. But God, you told us. You told us. You didn't just tell us, God. You promised us a son. Now, where is my son? Tears running down my face. Feeling my face getting to go red, just this internal rage, saying, God, this is, not, this is not it. This is not it. This is not fair, God. You made us a promise, God. You made us a promise. Tears running down my face, and the Holy Spirit began to say, Henry, don't fill that void with why, but fill it with worship. He said, I don't want to fill it with worship. He said, you've got no choice right now because if you fill it with why, it's going to take you out of the race. But if you fill it with worship, my plans will become evident in the midst of this. And I don't know why I'm telling you this right now, but some of you, you've had questions. You've had situations that have been disappointing. You feel like there's a void. You've been crying out to God and it feels like there's nothing there. And you've said, God, why? Why, God, why? Why? But I want to tell you today, friend, it's not the time to ask why It's the time to begin to fill it with worship. Fill your questions with worship. Fill that void with worship. Because even though you don't understand, God's going to make sense of it. I want to invite the worship team to come. I'm going to be done in just a second. But I want to tell you, that night, that Tuesday night, I was supposed to go with our worship team to lead worship at a statewide pastor's conference in our city. I'm mindful about how I tell this story because I don't wanna dishonor anyone, I'm not gonna mention any names, but when our church was established in Melbourne, not everyone was happy about this huge youth movement setting up a church in our city. Pastors were insecure and intimidated that was not our desire or our heart's cry at all. But we had been invited to lead worship at this particular pastor's conference that night. I already didn't want to go because I knew of the resistance that would be there. And so I said to my wife, I'm not going to go. She looked at me and she said, there is no way on earth we're going to let the devil rob us of this moment. And so I got in my car, and I drove straight to the venue that night. No sound check, no rehearsal. I just arrived right in time for the meeting, and I stood up there, and, you know, I tried my best to lead that first praise song. I couldn't even make it through the first chorus before tears were running down my face. I just stopped, and I said, listen, this is not the way that we all want to start a pastor's conference, but I can't be disingenuous right now. so i begin to share what had happened that day and as i was sharing it the holy spirit began to say there are men and women here in this room and their dreams it feels like their dreams have died they had a promise from god but right now all they see is a void and i just see men of god women of god who have been in ministry for decades Many of whom had resisted us. Fall to their faces. Get out of their seats. Come to the altar. Young men praying over old men. Old men praying over young men. A move of God broke out in that place that night. It unleashed a unity that we had never seen before. We named our son that we lost Benjamin Judah. Judah represents praise. I don't know if you know the Benjamin represents son of the right hand i believe god used our son that we never got to meet to bring glory to his name because when you lift up the one who's seated at the right hand of the father there ain't no situation on earth that can bring you down i want you to stand to your feet because we're going to be done in just a second there's a beautiful moment that happens at the end of this particular passage of text that we've been reading about today John 12 verse 1 this happens right before this Palm Sunday moment it Says six days before the Passover Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead here a dinner was given in Jesus honor Martha served I love that Martha's back there serving again bless her we love you Martha while Lazarus was among those reclining with him at the table imagine Lazarus you know like just he was just dead and then he's like, hey, check it out, God, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> Feed me the grace. You know, like he's like hanging out with Jesus. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. Man, oh, I want Jesus to step into my defense. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this thing. For, the burial, for this perfume for the day of my burial. This, this is wild because this perfume this, this, this perfume worth a year's wages. Priceless. but more priceless than its monetary value. it's quite likely that this was a fragrance that she would have been saving for her wedding day to give to her husband as a, as a sign to show her devotion, what does a husband represent? One who's a, a protector? a provider, a lover, one who would take care of her. And I love this picture because Mary brings this thing that's worth so much more than just a monetary value. And she begins to pour it out on the feet of Jesus. Something that it, almost as a sign to say, Jesus, I would have been expecting these things from a husband but actually I've just found the one who will really be my provider and my protector and my covering and the true love that I really need but but here's what's so beautiful about this because in the old test in the old test there was an anointing by God and an anointing by man they would pour the oil on the head but in the new testament there's a going low and the things are turned upside down and now all of a sudden Jesus has been anointed by the Holy Spirit but it's a woman it's not a man it's a woman who comes and doesn't anoint his head but anoints his feet we read in this very next passage that Jesus arrives as king he could only arrive as king if he'd been anointed by both God and man And she pours out this anointing on the feet of Jesus. I don't believe she just considered Jesus to be like that of one who would be a husband in that he would protect and cover. But I wonder if Mary got a revelation in that moment. What what does a king do? A king protects. Can provides, a king covers. Mary got a revelation. That he was the king. See, she'd gone from sitting at the feet of Jesus, knowing him as teacher, to weeping at the feet of Jesus, knowing him as not only healer, but comforter. And now she's back at the feet of Jesus with this overwhelming sense of joy and worship and tears and rejoicing because now she doesn't just know him for what he can do, but she knows him for who he is. And she pours out a worship that begins to permeate the atmosphere of the room. A fragrance that erupts in that place It would be impossible for you to be in that room and not be impacted by her worship. Oh, and I wonder if we could understand this today, friends, the journey that God wants to take you on. He doesn't just want to be your teacher. He doesn't just want to be your healer. He doesn't just want to be your comforter. He wants to be your king. He wants to be your affection. He wants to be the one at the center of your life that would cause such an aroma of worship that the world around you would be impacted by the fragrance that he wants to release in your life. What's the fragrance that's coming out of your life today? What's the fragrance that's resounding out of your life today? Is it pain? Is it heartache? Is it disappointment? Is it resentment? Is it unforgiveness? Or is it worship? Because I'm telling you, The most powerful worship, the most fragrant worship is the worship that comes at a cost. You might be wondering why it is you've been walking the journey that you've been on. It's to bring a worship from you that you could otherwise never have. You realize that the angels are around the throne worshiping, but they don't get to worship like we do. You know why because they don't get to worship through tears they're never experiencing worship through pain through suffering through sickness there's a fragrance that God wants to release through your life in these last couple minutes that we have I want to open this altar if you've got disappointment if you've got resentment if you've been holding on to these things even to this point in the conference But you know that they've been affecting the aroma that should be coming out of your life. I want you to get out of your seat and just come and worship God for a few minutes at this altar and lay down your disappointment. See, the best place you can bring your disappointment, the best place you can bring your pain, the best place you can bring your sickness is to the feet of Jesus because He's the only one who can make sense of it. It's going to cost you, but the worship aroma that's going to come out of the other side of it is going to change atmospheres. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your family's life. Come on, just begin to worship Him oh